I would describe it as like chaotic. Um, I would describe it as like not what I expected teaching to be at all. It was, I would describe it as a successful year. I learned a lot. I got a lot of resources and I decided things that I want to do differently and things I want to keep the same. It was hard. It was really, really hard. Um, I went in thinking it was going to be hard though. So I don't know that it was too much harder than I thought. And so I think that's a big thing is like mentally preparing to just go, this is going to be one of the hardest things I do. Welcome to Hashtag Teacher Life. I'm your host, Victoria Wong, and I am especially excited about this episode. It is the finale of the first season of this podcast. I can't believe it's already the finale. Honestly, I can't believe that I made it this far. If any of you guys know me well, you know that I will find a new hobby and interest. I will give 300% to it for a couple of weeks, and then I will peace out. But we're still here and we're finishing up our first season and recording our second. And I wouldn't have been able to do it without you guys. For all of you who were there for me when this was just an idea. For those of you who have been listening and following along the episodes. And also for you guys who are just tuning in. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for being supportive. And most importantly... Thank you for listening to what our teachers have to say. It truly, truly means a lot. So you might not know this. No, wait, you definitely don't know this because I haven't told you. The season finale of every season will be different. It'll be different from the usual episodes. Instead of me sitting down with one teacher and talking to them about their life and their experiences, I'm going to choose a different topic for every finale and I will sit down with multiple teachers and we'll have discussions and they will share their experiences and their opinions on this, whatever topic that I choose. In honor of this being the first season, the topic that I chose was the first year of teaching. You know, anytime that you start something new, you're bound to feel confused and overwhelmed, sometimes frustrated because you don't know what you're doing, but also really, really excited. I definitely felt these emotions while I was recording and editing and producing this first season. And it was reminiscent of my first year of teaching. Well, definitely not as chaotic, not as insane. There were not as many tears or <laughs> mental breakdowns. But, you know, the underlying emotions were similar. So for this episode, I sat down with three teachers and they shared their challenges. They shared some emotions that they felt. They shared some surprises that it, they experienced. And my favorite part, they shared some joys that they found in their first year of teaching. So if you are about to start your first year of teaching, maybe you can listen in 
get an idea of what to expect. If you just finished your first year, this might all sound kind of familiar. And if you're way past your first year of teaching, maybe this will bring you back to the good old times when you had no idea what you were doing. So without further ado, let's meet our teachers. I am Rachel Soderstrom. I teach at a city school at, within the Baltimore City Public Schools District, and I teach ninth and 10th graders for English. My name is Claire Purcell. I teach at an elementary school in Austin. I teach second grade with GT and ESL, and I teach in a um, suburb, so it's got some city in it and then you know neighborhood is a mix it's an austin mix type of school my name is shannon black i am a kindergarten teacher this will be my second year as a classroom teacher and i work for a national charter school that is designed to help low-income students get an exceptional education their motto is to and through college um, with the belief of giving them the chance and the opportunities to go on to college and make choice-filled lives that might end the cycle of poverty. So when people talk about teaching, a lot of what they'll talk about first is the why. You know, why did you decide to go into this profession? I remember I went into teaching straight out of grad school. I was really, really driven, really passionate by my mission. I wanted accessible and equitable education for all students. But not everyone has had the same path. And in fact, some of the teachers that I talked to had some hesitation and doubts about even going into the profession. So I went to college for nursing. I've always loved helping people and being needed. I just, I like to help people and I like to have personal relationships with people. I'm the oldest of four kids. And so I've been around kids my whole life. My main source of income, you know, in high school, most people are bag or at HEB or whatever. I nannied. That was my big thing. And I knew that I liked it and I knew I was good at it. I thought that's what I was supposed to do. But I was nervous about going into the education system. My mom was a kindergarten teacher, and there are just some things that made me hesitant about joining that field. And for good reason. I mean, if you know any teachers, well, most of you guys are probably teachers, but if you've been paying attention to the news or even just looking around you, you should know that the current reality for teachers does not look very promising. Teachers are overworked, unappreciated, they're struggling with mental health. They're on the cover of Time Magazine because they're selling their plasma to make a living wage. Doesn't really look that great. But despite their concerns, they still went for it. It's ridiculous for me to think that a lawyer or a doctor is really the only option. Because even though teacher teaching is, like, I guess, not as... Like in society, it's seen as not as great of a job or not as like difficult of a job or not as like as successful as a job as a doctor or a lawyer. It was just like what I wanted to do. So I went into teaching. So like me, all three teachers that I interviewed in this episode had not studied education in college. So we didn't really know that we were going to end up as teachers. And our paths were wildly different. 
Rachel jumped straight into teaching right after college. Claire, as she mentioned earlier, was planning on going to nursing school. And she just kept putting it off until she realized she was supposed to be a teacher. And for Shannon, well, she was a stay-at-home mom for 19 years. And teaching was actually what she decided to do until it was time to retire. But despite all of our paths being different, we all seemed pretty aligned on why we went into teaching. Education is the one thing that could equalize us, that could lead us to like, to there not being so much social inequality in the United States. I just wanted to impact the lives of these students. And just, even when I had my first child, I was working full-time in the hotel business, which is a lot of hours, a lot of weekends, a lot of holidays, a lot of stress. And in my office, I had the saying that's like in a hundred years, in a hundred years from now, it won't matter what kind of car I drove, how big a house I had, or how much money I had in my bank account, but the world may be a better place because I touched the life of a child. And so I got to spend 19 years at home with my children. They're grown. And I said, if for these 10 years that I'm working, if I can touch the life of some kids, what a great way to give back to the world, the community, the society, and hopefully make a difference somewhere. That's why we do it, right? We do it for the kids. And when you're doing something for kids, kids are pretty motivating. You want to do the best that you can for them. So all three of these teachers were really dedicated. They tried to prepare as much as they could. They did student teaching. They subbed. They work in preschools. But despite all their preparation, they quickly realized that you can never fully prepare for what it's like to really be a teacher in a classroom. You know, you got to learn all the curriculum. You got to learn all the students. You got to learn the parents. You got to learn how they respond to, you know, your behavior management. What works for one student will not work for another student. And so it's just every day is a new day. How do you be prepared for that? <laughs> Shannon's right. You can never fully prepare for it. Every day is different. Every day, every kid is different. And when you don't know what to expect, and those early days are filled with surprises, they might even be traumatic sometimes. Now, before we get into the traumatic part, I'm going to give a little background about Rachel. Rachel is a part of a program called Urban Teachers. It's similar to Teach for America, where they get students who come out of college and they train them to become lead teachers in a classroom. But the difference is Rachel has been paired with a lead teacher. And right now in her first year, she had been helping out the teacher, helping in the classroom and slowly taking on more responsibilities to become a teacher. But the traumatic day came when Rachel went to work and her lead teacher was sick. I still have nightmares of the first day that she was sick and it was just me running the class and it was like literally the worst thing like it the worst day because I remember like a kid that I had had this was in like October so throughout like the end of August and September I didn't really have many problems like I felt prepared because I wasn't really teaching but like that first day 
a kid who I built like a very strong relationship with, like raised to say in the middle of class, not in a menacing or malicious way, just to be like, Miss S, you're not a very good teacher. <laughs> just because I was so frazzled. And I literally almost cried there on the spot. Because I was like, oh my God, like, this is what I've been wanting to do for so long. And now there's this kid who is literally just stating a fact, saying I'm not very good at like what I've been wanting to do. Being told you're not a good teacher is so hard. And it's not always as explicit as it was for Rachel. Usually it comes in the form of challenging behavior, kids not paying attention, students not mastering skills that you're trying to teach them. And these moments can feel even heavier when you have unrealistic expectations of being a teacher. One of the reasons I went into teaching was because I was like, I'm going to inspire kids. Like, I'm going to change their lives. It was kind of like a weird hero complex that I had going on for me. And then when I got there, I was just like, they just, number one, they don't need a hero. They just need a teacher. And number two, like, that's just such high expectations for teaching. Like, it, it, and then when you don't reach that hero status, which nobody can really reach, like, it just weighs on you so heavily. Wait, that's a perfect way to put it. Teaching is such a heavy profession. People go in wanting to impact students, but when you've got like 24 students who all have varying needs, you're left with a never ending list of things you need to do. And that pressure follows you everywhere, regardless of time and space. And when you're feeling this much weight, it's really hard to feel balanced. Separating work from my personal, like just making sure that I was taking time for me and not because like I would want to do everything for these kids and want to have every perfect craft for them, every perfect lesson, so many hands-on things. But there was, I mean, I'm I'm learning your work is literally never done as a teacher. I mean, you could be in your classroom for hours perfecting a lesson, like one lesson that you could spend like days on. I mean, you know, if you think about it forever and like, okay, I need to get these supplies for them. I need to do this or have, you know, maybe I can change up groups every single time. You know, like if you were the absolute textbook perfect teacher, your work would never be done. And like I said, I like to be organized. So, I mean, just even going through papers, you could file papers all day and, you know, okay, well now I want to scan them and reorganize them. So my challenge was learning like when to stop. There has to be a point where you stop. When you're not teaching, you should be like going to kids games and you should be reaching out to parents and you should be grading and you should be coming up with your next lesson plan and you should be and of course you should be doing all that but to put such an emphasis on like every single waking part of your life has to be about teaching was so stressful I was trying to hold like two hour long uh after school hours for some kids and I was trying to go to their uh games and I was trying to go to their concerts and I was trying to do all of these things to show that I cared when I just wasn't doing anything for myself. And it was like really starting to feel like I was losing myself in the job. 
Now we're going to focus on Rachel for a little bit. Teaching became her whole life. After tough days, especially with challenging behavior, Rachel found it impossible to leave her emotions and thoughts at school. Oh, it was really hard to like not put the blame on myself again for uh, not reaching the kids. And it was really hard because those were the kids that would act out. And there was this one kid who just cussed me out and made me feel so terrible. And it was hard to then not lash out and return. Like teachers have the most amount of patience because a lot of us get like cussed out on a frequent basis and we have to be the bigger person because again, they're just kids. Like we are literally the bigger person. So it was hard to be like, he didn't mean that this is not about you. This is about like him trying to get out of his work. It's not that he hates you. It's not that that would even matter if he did hate you. It's that like he just needs more guidance. And so that was really hard for me to accept that it wasn't me. And it was just the way that this kid was working. You tried so hard to reach this kid and then they're cussing. Like it almost was just like, how dare you? Like I have been trying so hard. Like I bought you this candy that you wanted. Like I've been talking to you about this podcast that we're both listening to. Like I have truly been trying. And I, by the way, I just started listening to that podcast only after you told me you were so that I could build this relationship with you. And like literally I tried everything and it felt like we were progressing. And then like the next day he would just snap and like curse me out. And it was so hard to be like this to not be emotional. And I would go home and it would literally feel like a blanket of emotions just like What Rachel said about feeling this blanket of stress really resonated with me and my experience my first year of teaching. So she and I continue to talk about this idea of balance. And we found out that in addition to her struggle with finding balance between her work and her personal life, there was an added layer of stress that she experienced because she found it really difficult to balance priorities within her classroom. I am working in a school where these ninth and 10th graders are reading at an average fourth to fifth grade level. So it's like, how do you take time from getting kids up sixth grade levels where they have to be to talk about like controlling emotions? Like it just feels that's a huge thing and it definitely needs to be done, but it just feels like learning to read is a little bit bigger than that. <laughs> Speaking of learning to read, let's dive into curriculum. Rachel didn't have a set curriculum, which added a whole nother workload onto her plate. But even for those who had a curriculum, sometimes that didn't really eliminate many challenges. We had these huge end of year assessments that are very big for our district. And we also had what we call content team meetings. So as a group, we'd get together once a week and discuss literacy. And as a group, we'd get together once a week and discuss math. And you start hearing things like, oh, well, this will be on the test, but the curriculum never covers it. And so you're like, what? So you had to figure out as the teacher, 
to start getting some of this stuff that you've now found out will, the students will be tested on, but the curriculum the district's giving you is not going to ever introduce that. Or if it did introduce it, it introduced it for like one or two days in like January. And then the student's supposed to be able to recall that information in May when they take their big end of year assessment. Oh, you just get this like pit in your stomach. I'm sitting in those content team meetings and your anxiety just rises because I'm like, okay, not only do I have to learn the lesson plans coming up that my curriculum is telling me to teach, I also have to now figure out how to teach some of this on the fly and how to implement it. And then for me, it was a lot of review. For five-year-olds, you can't just introduce the concept once or twice and you have one unit that covers time or one unit that covers money or, you know, subication or any of it, word problems, and then don't revisit for three months and then they're going to get it on their assessment. And then, even if you have a lesson that covers the material you need to teach, that isn't enough. The most important part isn't the lesson plan. It's like the it's the classroom management of the lesson plan. Like I came in and I had spent like three hours on this like really, really, really good, what I thought was a really, really good and engaging lesson. And then I tried to execute it during my first four months and it was just terrible. Like so bad. I couldn't like get everyone to listen. And um, I wasn't like addressing certain issues in the classroom. And then I got really frustrated. And then it was just like, then I wasn't like being excited about it. So then they were being excited about it. And like, we didn't even get like a fourth of the way through the lesson that I want, had wanted to get to. And so I, I just think, I just think like the most, yeah, what I was most unprepared for is that the most work isn't in designing the lesson plan. It's actually in like implementing it and getting everyone on board and getting everyone to do what you're asking them to do. Are you feeling stressed yet? My heart is racing and I can feel my palms start to sweat and like my breathing is getting faster and it feels like I'm back in the classroom and I'm getting really stressed out. Okay, okay. Let's just take a couple steps backwards before we get crazy overwhelmed. And let's just take a deep breath together. I need it. All right. On with the show. Work-life balance is just always a challenge in any profession you go into. Within teaching... Kind of like we mentioned earlier, there are just so many unexpected things that come up. And when these three teachers went into the classroom, there were so many unexpected responsibilities that they had to deal with. And people always tell you, you know, expect and plan for the unexpected. But the unexpected comes with a lot more work and a lot more stress. I just was like so over getting emails. Like I feel like I'm very organized and on top of everything, but I saying that I was like, I don't, you're emailed every five seconds by like the district, by any department, everybody at your school parent. I was like, I, I guess I kind of was learning to manage 
I, I know this sounds silly and it's very specific, but like I had, I was, I didn't want to be sitting on email all day or doing that, but I was kind of surprised that I do have to a lot to answer these emails. These so many emails as a teacher, or like a parent contacting me on email. Cause I just wanted to teach all day and I wasn't on my computer necessarily or on my phone. And so I was like, okay, I, I learned that, you know, in hindsight, I need to sit down, like have a set moment when they're reading to just make sure I check emails. Cause that was something I wasn't thinking, you know, I've thought as a prepared person and organized that, you know, Oh, I'll be, perfect at communication like that and fine, but it was just a lot and a lot to read and stay on top of. As you know, technology is not my friend. <laughs> so that was huge for me. Um, I just, I guess in my 19 years at home and 14 years at homeschooling, I did not have to do a lot with technology. And so Google Drive was completely new to me finding things on Google Drive or would be like, oh, it's on the Google Drive. And I'm like, I know, but I can't find it. Um, making all the PowerPoints we had to make. I'd never made a PowerPoint before. And so just some of the little things. And again, everyone was a team player. My next door neighbor in first grade, she calls me her work mom. She's, I'm a work, she's my work daughter. And so I'd help her with all the things mom would do. And I'd take my computer into her and go, how do I get this picture into this PowerPoint? And how do I get this and do this? And, you know, why can't I just copy and paste? So she helped me a ton. But, you know, in the beginning, what may take one of you 30 minutes to make a PowerPoint would take me two hours, you know, and then I do something like hit a button and lose the whole PowerPoint I just created and have to start all over again. Shoot, some of those things you download it and then it put a virus on your computer. <laughs> you click on something to download a little picture of, you know, penguins skip counting. And then all of a sudden I've got all these viruses and I have to write the IT help desk and they're like, please don't click on these anymore. And you're like, oh, sorry. <laughs> I taught in a portable this year and I was really, that was where I had a lot of concerns. Like, what if it rains? What if like, and then I had a kid that was severely allergic to wasps and it was his first year. And I'm not even kidding with you on the first day, a wasp flew in. Like, what are the odds? Like the mom's like, what am I going to do? My child will, you know, is very allergic. And because we're in a portable, when you open the door, you're directly exposed to the outside. You know, that was that was kind of, and I, there's not as much space in a portable. So yeah, I can't imagine being in a small space with the, like, that was, I'm, I'm still stressed out about it. I will be stressed out as long as I'm in a portable about making sure the space is efficient. Decorating the classroom is like a huge thing that nobody talks about because it takes so much finances, like so much, uh, like GoFundMe's and like, like teachers have been building what they're putting in their classroom for like, years like and then and it's exciting for the kids to go in and like have that classroom and then already off the bat if you don't have that inviting classroom like kids immediately discount you because they think that you're not as involved as other teachers and if having to spend your own time and money on classroom decorations just so your students know you care isn't enough there's also others that you have to prove yourself to when you're new i guess i was nervous to be at a high performing school. My school's known for being competitive, uh, having a rigorous uh, campus. And I knew that just, I, I was just like, it's inevitable coming in young, new that parents might be questioning, are you qualified? Are you going to challenge my kid? Is it going to be a rough year? That was something I thought about often. And I felt like I was working to always prove that 
you know, I am as good as the next teacher. I will challenge your kid. I'm learning, but I promise I'm on top of it. I'm passionate about this. That was always on my mind though. Okay, guys, we're done with the hard part. I promise. We talked about all the challenges of the first year. Well, not all of them. There were a lot that I didn't include. I didn't want to stress you guys out. But now we're ready to move on to the fun part. I asked the teachers, with all these challenges and obstacles that came up, what got them through their first year? Ultimately, but not surprisingly, it all came down to one thing. People. My goodness, I couldn't have made it without my team and our whole campus is so focused on teamwork. We had five kindergarten teachers, six of us with our Spanish teacher and truly I felt like everybody was covering each other's backs and we all had different strengths, we all had different weaknesses. I don't think we judged on those. We supported each other. It was, where can I help you? What can I help you with? Well, so-and-so is better at this avenue. So-and-so is better at this avenue. Okay, I'll take that on. You take this on. I think the whole kindergarten team, our students did phenomenal. And in addition to having a supportive team, having an administration and a principal who did little things that made you feel valued had a huge impact. He told me when I, he made sure that he told me when I was doing well and that was, it's really awesome. I mean, in whatever field you're in to be, to be told you're doing a good job. So he was really good about saying like, you did a good job, I'm impressed by you, this saying thank you. Um, and just being present, like I, you know, I didn't feel again scared if I had a question or anything, telling us when we did a good job, um, being transparent, that is means a lot to me, like clear communication, that stuff was, I knew what was expected of me and that made it easier to do. And then just being approachable again, all of that. So one thing that I noticed that made me so excited and feel all the warm and fuzzies was that even when we talked about so many challenges and stresses that these first year teachers experienced, I could always hear the love that they had for teaching and for their students. When you think about teaching and we, when people talk about teachers' responsibilities, it always seems like a one-way street that teachers are the ones who are, you know, providing all this knowledge and all of these benefits for their young students. But that's not the case. A lot of the times being a teacher and being in a classroom with all of these kids, it's a two-way street. I know I definitely learned so much from my students about compassion and being non-judgmental and forgiveness. And when we're told to love our students and love them unconditionally, they're doing the same thing for us. So I was really, really excited to 
ask the teachers, you know, what were their final thoughts on their year? What joy did they experience? What did they learn and get out of their first year of teaching? And trust me, the answers did not disappoint. Get ready to smile and laugh and maybe shed a few tears and just feel all the feels. I'm so sad. I'm so going to miss my kids. I'm sad. What are they doing without me? Tell me what books you're reading. What are you doing? I found, I just read something. I want to tell them all. Um, <laughs> I just miss, I just miss them. Um, but I know that, like I said, I'm confident that I prepared them hopefully even beyond the what was required of second grade. So I, my parting thoughts is I feel happy about it. I feel like I did the best I could and that they took something away, but, um, I, I'm still like wanting to work. I have this whole huge list. I'm like, I want to paint this chair. So it's fun. I want to make this new sensory center. I want to do that, you know, but I, I think I need to just take a break and enjoy summer. Um, but I'm, my mind is a million places. I want to do this next year and I'm just excited and eager. <laughs> In college, pretty much all you're worried about is yourself. Like, you're like, how am I going to pass this class? And which friends am I going to go out with tonight? And blah, 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 blah. It pretty much all centers around you. And to immediately go into to a job where it literally can't be centered around you and it has to be centered around 90 other people who, like, are looking up to you, like, as someone who can guide them in the future, is you're going to have to change a lot about who you are as a person. And I think that I've grown a lot, not only as a, as a like, teacher, but also just like as a person in general. And for that reason alone, I feel really grateful for being a teacher. Just to have your kids come in and hug you and tell you they loved you. And if I was out sick one day, they're telling me how much they missed me. You know, you've built relationships with these students that even the ones that are so frustrating and just push your patience, like they may just come in unexpectedly and give you the biggest hug and you think, okay, I am reaching them. I am making a difference. I had several that would call me mama. And it, I thought that was so cute because it's not that I'm taking the place of their mom, not that they didn't have a mom who completely loved them, but they just felt so safe and comfortable in the classroom that then when they weren't really consciously thinking about it and they needed something, they're like, mama, and then... You know, one little girl got so embarrassed and one little boy, we made a joke out of it because I answered him, yes, Eho, you know what I mean? And so from then on, he called me mama. And in addition to the emotional joy that you might get from your classroom, scratch that, that you will absolutely get from your classroom, then there's also the whole other layer of the fact that you taught them academics and that they're using the skills that you have spent nine months trying to teach them and practicing with them and encouraging them to use. And then it's not only your own pride in your own accomplishment and in your students' accomplishment, but sometimes their pride too. That really, really makes it worth it. Every day, there's at least one thing that sparks joy in me. And like, oh, there was this one time where um, we were writing haikus and we were reading Romeo and Juliet. 
and I had them write haikus about like first love and love at first sight or something like that. And there's one kid who I just adore so much, but he always says like, he always describes things as tough. And so some kids were making fun of him and they were like, uh, they were like, I bet Asta says like tough, 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 like something like that. And then I went over there and I was like, hey, how, how are you actually doing? And he wrote down, nothing compares to the way my heart soars up when you brush past me. And it was like so lovely and beautiful. And I like had him read it in front of the class and everybody like clapped for him after. And his look of like pure pride, like I literally felt like my heart would burst in that moment. It was so freaking so cute. One of my predominantly Spanish speakers, you know, you sit on the carpet and you call them up to the board to interact and like, oh, circle the picture that's this or circle the letter that starts with, you know, A or circle this. And, you know, every time he'd come up, he'd get it wrong. And it was just, he didn't, I think it was a language barrier. He didn't, but by the end of the year, he was coming up and getting it right. And then the rest of the kids on the carpet were like, good job. And was just beaming. So, you know, the rest of the class knew, like, there was the language barrier. And just throughout the majority of the year, when he come up to the board, he didn't get the right answer. And again, you don't want to discourage them. So you're like, good try. You almost did it. You know, let's help him. What should he have circled? And everyone's, you know, do this, do that one. And then by the end of the year, when he could do it all on his own, the other kids were clapping and praising him. So it's just a community. I had one little boy who, sweetest little boy in the world, could not, really struggled to learn, really struggled to learn and really struggled to retain the information. When they do that end of year assessment, each student is given a number they're supposed to hit and those students know the number they're supposed to get. And when they finish that test and you hit the button, you know right then and they know right then, did I make it? Did I do it, Ms. Black? Did I get it? And we clicked his dog and he made it. And to see the look on, I mean, it still brings me almost to tears because that little boy had worked so, so hard and he wanted that so bad. And for him to get to turn to me and go, Miss Black, did I do it? Did I make it? And I got to say, you did. He was just shining. And, you know, like I said, it was just, he never gave up and I never gave up on him. And so huge, right? I mean, how do you top that? My final question for these three teachers was, after finishing the first year and now being in the summer months with the beginning of the school year fast approaching, what were they looking forward to? I'm looking forward to not being like, okay, what am I teaching this week? I'm really happy that I know what to expect. Like I'd not, I mean, of course things happen and you'll be blindsided at least once it like, you know, someone's going to find a frog and the whole day is different. Um, you know, whatever, but, um, like I'm excited to know what, like have a vision of what's happening in an order that's going on and what happens in the year. And it's super nice. Now I'm looking forward to 
like I, I understand the school better. And I mean, I still get a little bit lost even in the school. Cause I don't go to some parts of the halls, hallways and things, you know, but so I'm excited that I understand the culture at my school. Um, and I'm excited that I have a reputation now and a, a strong rapport with my parents. And that makes me excited that now there's a little bit known about me this next year versus just coming in and being like, eh, you know, which isn't anybody's fault. And like I said, that's inevitable, but that's kind of a nice feeling. So one of the main things that I'm looking forward to, and this is silly, but it's just like having those kids that I've known and like have seen like grow a lot, coming down my classroom and just give me a hug and just be like, hey, how are you doing? Just seeing them, <laughs> I think is a really exciting thing. And finally, I'll leave you guys with some words to remember. I know the school year is coming up and it can be simultaneously exciting, but also so, so stressful. And when those kids come in in August or September, whenever your school year starts, and it seems like they've forgotten everything that they have learned in the past few years, just pause, take a deep breath and listen. You can honestly say probably every one of your students grew in some way, and you were part of that. Whether he learned how to read or whether he learned how to not punch the wall every time he was angry, you're a part of that. You spend as much time with those kids as their parents do. And in terms of waking hours, you might even spend more time. And so you are such a huge, huge influence on these kids' lives. And some of them come from hard places with divorce and abuse and prison and death. And if they can come into your classroom and get a hug from you and you tell them while you're here for these eight hours, I'm looking out for you, I'm taking care of you. You wanna talk to me, you can talk to me. And that's what some of my students, you know, she'd come in crying and I'd say, do you wanna talk about it? She'd shake her head no. And I said, you just need a hug? And she'd shake her head yes. And I just hug her for a few minutes and that's huge. That's why I do it. And they may not even remember. I mean, I don't know what your memories are of kindergarten and five years old, but a part of you goes like, I'm not going to be the one with, when they're up there graduating. Go, oh, I'd like to think Miss Black because they probably won't even remember. But somewhere in there, you laid a foundation that they felt safe at school and they could trust people at school. Thank you to Rachel, Claire, and Shannon for being so open and honest about their first year of teaching. And thank you to you guys for listening. I've had such a blast making this season, and I'm really, really excited for you guys to meet the next batch of teachers that I've talked to for season two. I will tell you, though, I am taking some time off. I want to spend some time with loved ones. I'm going to do some traveling. Super important. I'm going to learn how to actually edit audio so your ears won't be hurting too much with all of the static and crackling and echoes. And I might also take some time to rethink the direction of the podcast and do some brainstorming. I'll keep you guys updated, though. In the meantime, if you enjoyed listening to this podcast, you can support by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts 
by sharing with your friends, but most importantly, by having more of these open and honest conversations with teachers around you, especially now that it's almost the start of the school year. And if you have some stories that you want to share and would like to be a guest on the podcast, I would love to help you share it. You can always sign up at teacherlifepod.com slash guest. Hashtag Teacher Life is produced and edited by me, your host, Victoria Wong. Music in this episode was made by Crowender, Kay Angle, Deanne Key, Pictures of the Floating World, and Chris Zabriskie, all with a Creative Commons license. Good luck with the start of the school year. I'm Victoria Wong, and remember teachers, your voice is important, you deserve to be heard, and you are absolutely enough. I'll see you next season. Bye.